Welcome to Your Mark on the World, bringing you another changemaker with champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Your Mark on the World show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe, and our guest today is a really interesting young guy. He's uh, Phil America. He, he is an activist and an artist uh, who uh, is really focusing on uh, working with, living with, and helping uh, the poor among us uh, around the world. So, Phil, thank you very much for joining us today. It's really a pleasure to have you. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Uh, I want to just make sure we survey kind of uh, at a high level some of the things you're doing and one of the most intriguing things you've done is to live in, in a variety of places around the world. And when, when you and I talk about you living there, you tend to choose oftentimes to live uh, a very different lifestyle. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think in the world today, um, especially like myself coming from a place of privilege, I think a lot of people look at certain areas of the world and, and mark them as off limits, if you will. And um, I think in the end of the day, um, it hurts more than it helps. I mean, at, at the moment, I live in Los Angeles, for example, and there's Skid Row there and the city's uh, I called it a quarantine zone or a confinement zone, I think is the official term they use. And I, I just don't think at the end of the day that there should be any confinements in the world, whether it's you know, in, in the richest or the poorest neighborhood, to use that term poor. Um, I, and so from my own perspective, I think in order for me to understand the world, I've always just taken it as I, I need to go everywhere. I need to see everything and I need to try at least to some little bit of a degree to understand everything. So tell us a little bit about your art and how your art captures and communicates these things that you're talking about. Um. Myself, I didn't study art, and so I use it exactly as that, is, is basically to communicate and to capture and to document, um, but most importantly, to, to communicate, basically. So art for me is something that I realize quite quickly is, for, at least for myself, is, is communication. And whether it's inward or outward, it's, it's definitely something I use as a language, as a form of communication. So through that, I've kind of taken the performative nature, the document nature, um, and every different facet that I can reach into as art to communicate, whether it's to myself or whether it's to other people, what I see, what I want to say. Um, and I think generally that's what most people within the arts do. So that's always been my um, own personal definition of art, I guess. So... When you have gone to live in some of these places, I, I'm, I'm captivated by your experiences because you, you do, you, you, you've gone to live in Thailand, for instance, in, in the great slum there. You've spent real time. I don't know if you ever lived, but I think you said you lived in, in the jungle in Silicon Valley. Tell us a little bit about these experiences. Um, I think from them, I've, I've taken away as, as much as I would have taken living anywhere else, you know what I mean? And I, obviously you're dealing with a lot of different um, people. You're dealing with a lot of different problems and a lot of different uh, hard, like uphill battles every day. Like, I mean, in the slums, for example, you're dealing with having to 
communicate with the mafia. Maybe you're dealing with having to uh, figure out who's in charge, who you need to have uh, permission to live there without permission. And uh, it's the same in, um, in Silicon Valley. It's, I mean, you, I had to meet with uh, the guy who's in charge, um, had to build a relationship with him and then, uh, yeah, get basically get permission to live there. Um, but at the end of the day, um, when it comes down to just individual experiences on a daily basis, I think the takeaway is just that much more powerful because you're out of your element. So every day, um, just, just being not from there and being in a position to leave there if I wanted to, um, I think I was able to experience things on a different level than somebody who um, is there by maybe is there because they have no other options. And so on a daily basis, I was experiencing things that I, I, I felt like I could take and, and put into the rest of my life, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. I'm curious about uh, the informal government that issues permission to to take up residency in the in Islam. I mean, and, I think, and the interesting parallel between Thailand and Silicon Valley in that in that sense. Right. Well, I mean, both of them are autonomous societies that run um, with a an unofficial form of government be it um, the mafia or be it uh, the people who are in charge of, of the jungle or whatever. And I think um, in general, they're not answering to any official government. They're answering to their own governing set of rules and laws. And just to give you an example, um, I feel, I mean, in, in the jungle, for example, there was laws or rules that existed. Some of them spoken, some of them unspoken, but one of them was uh, no violence towards women, and that was a big, big, big no-no. Whereas um, here in the U.S., I think things are kind of closed doors, and what happens in the home stays in the home, and a lot of things happen on a daily basis, be it to women or be it to people in general, children, and it, it, a lot of it goes unspoken. And there, everybody knows everything that's going on. Um, there is no closed doors. I mean, you're in a tent next to another tent. So if something happens, everybody knows. And it was definitely a uh, zero tolerance in terms of, of anything towards women in a negative way. No calling them bad names, no violence, no making them feel uncomfortable, no threats. So in that vein, there's, I mean, you have their rules that exist far beyond any any official governing body that you know, rules the land that's around them. And um, I mean, yeah, from, from my own perspective, it was something that I, uh, I was able to adhere to far more than any rules of, of a government in a system that I don't always agree with. I mean, you go everywhere, the rules change, the laws change, but your morals don't. So there I felt like it was definitely a set of rules that was based on morality. It was based on need. It was based on compassion. And you go everywhere else, it's quite often based on money, based on uh, personal interest, if you will. So, I mean, yeah, there's definitely rules. It's really a fascinating uh, look at, at, the, at those uh, situations. And I'm so grateful that you, you went and shared those with them. How have you tried to capture those uh, lessons, those observations in your art? What, what's the – what have you um, – done there well i mean i 
lived I lived in um in Burma for a while within the restricted zone in Karen State. And this is a place that is has the longest ongoing civil war in the world. It's horrible things happening as you can imagine. And they live within their own again, their own, you know, autonomous society, their own set of rules. And going there and seeing that and um experiencing that, but yet not creating a an artwork that outwardly says what's going on and then doing exactly the same thing be it in the slums and then also and then creating an artwork there um it's just basically going to a place and then trying to find a way to communicate what is going on or what people see on a daily basis and and then show that through art so basically what i do is i try to take what i see and what i experience generally um not nest i i generally tend to kind of uh, ignore the negatives because you've got you have the media and that's mostly what they focus on and of course there's negatives and positives everywhere but i don't think the negative uh needs to be spoken for at this moment now one of the so, pieces that you did uh, as i recall uh was a your slum dwelling you made your slum right. dwelling a a, a piece of art for people to right. see so they could experience what you experienced. Right. So basically um, this, I took what I built, the home that I had built there and kind of the life that I lived there for about a month. And then I put that into a, a museum setting into a white cube where people could come and, and see that and experience that, smell that, feel that um, there was a five channel sound installation. It appears I've lost you, Phil. Are you there, Phil? Phil, let me see if I can get you back real quick. I'm hoping we haven't lost you for good. Is that's a fascinating story. We were just listening. The idea to was you. kind of to bridge that gap a little bit and to. We, uh, we lost you there for a minute, Phil. If, and so I'm going to ask uh, you to repeat yourself a little bit as you describe the uh, the artwork, the the uh, the piece you put in the white cube. We lost you about right, there. Right, you right, were right, about to say uh, there was a five channel sound. I think. Right. Yeah. So I basically I had the home. I had the sound installation. You were able to go into the home. And the idea was basically that people could kind of feel to some small degree what it felt like to be across the street in the uh, in the slums. And I and and again, like just using that simple form of, of communication that is art and is the language to communicate it to people that I think um, they can't walk across the street and understand it without there being some it's spoken in their language. So basically, I used art to communicate what's going on there to people who uh, typically wouldn't see what's going on there. Oh, fantastic. You know, Phil, as an artist, as an activist, you, you become something of a role model, uh, something, someone that people look up to. Who do you look up to? Um, I mean, I probably could give you all the cliche answers, but in reality, the people that I really look up to who inspire me are the people around me. So be it my brother, who himself is, I would say, a social entrepreneur. He's got his own tea business that I help run with him called Misty Peak Tea. And he's selling tea that he gets fair trade, that he gets organic, that he gets from one source, one family. And um, so, I, I mean, from that, I'm inspired to look at things on it when I look at things life on a business level. 
to be very conscious of, of how I go about things or be it the school that I help run. Um, that's all Burmese uh, migrants living and working in Thailand. I mean, the teachers there that dedicate their time without pay is it's so inspiring or, or even the people that I meet on a daily basis. Like the other day, um, I, I mean, myself, I've been vegan for 15 something years, vegetarian, basically my whole life. And it's, I've never really explored animal rights within my art too much. And lately I, uh, recently I met a woman that works for PETA named, uh, Elizabeth and she herself was, I mean, she's very inspiring as a person. So just that inspired me to want to look in that direction for my life or even just meeting people like you, obviously. I mean, you, the way you're looking at the business side of things and how important it is to be socially responsible. So, I, I mean, I guess I would just say that the people that inspire me are the people that I meet on a daily basis or that I encounter or work with on a daily basis or whatever have you. you know? Well, thank you, Phil. The, you could be doing a lot of things, and clearly you've done a number of things. Uh, why do you do this? What, what compels you to uh, do the work you do? Oof. I mean, what compels anybody? I, I think from my own standpoint, it's – a sense of duty, I guess, a sense of uh, responsibility. And um, you look at what's going on in our world today, um, and somebody needs to champion the, the good, and somebody needs to call out the bad. And I guess my place falls somewhere in the middle of that. And I wake up every day knowing that I have as much a responsibility as anybody else to, to do, to follow my um, moral compass and, and do what I think is right. So I guess it's just a sense of duty would be would be my easy answer, you know? Well, what do you do every day to be more successful? Everyone who's watching wants to, to do more, have more impact, do more good in the world. You're doing a lot of good. You're making a difference. What are some of the things, or one thing at least, that you do every day that, that you think we should or could emulate? Um. Man, I, I would say every single day I take at least five minutes out of my day to um, interact with somebody that I've never interacted with before, that I wouldn't typically interact with, be it on the street, be it in the grocery store, be it in the slums, be it in, on the internet, whatever it is. So just basically taking five minutes of my time to try to understand somebody that I, I don't necessarily understand and that I normally wouldn't work with or be friends with. And I think in that way um, – it just gives you a broader sense of the world. I mean, if you're if you're a Democrat in the U.S. and you take five minutes to talk to a Republican, or you're a, a you're black and you take five minutes to talk to somebody who's Asian. I mean, whatever it is, I think it's just talking five minutes a day to someone that you you would say that you understand the least in life. Yeah, boy, that's a great great insight, a great suggestion. Uh, to really open up our perspective uh, five minutes a day to get that kind of experience in a way that you've had by living in and among people far from home. So great. What would be your answer? You know, um, that's not fair. I'm the host. No, the, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I've answered that question uh, this way. And, and that is that I try to open my answer, my email. And I know that sounds trite, but um, I think but there I are a lot of people who manage to, to miss out on life because they don't read their email. And that's, you know, oftentimes uh, opportunity uh, looks a lot like an email. Absolutely.
Absolutely. I think there's so many people, the higher they go, the quicker they are to put filters um, on themselves, be it a, a assistant or be it a, you know, somebody that's your PR or whatever it is. And I always appreciate the people that take time to answer their emails or answer their phone or whatever, have you on their own and speak to you straight and not put that filter between you, I guess. So, yeah. Good well, thank you. I appreciate that. And you got me all discombobulated now asking me questions, but, uh, Phil, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us today. Uh, if people want to uh, learn more about you, see your work, uh, you've done a couple of Ted talks, uh, You've got a website. How do people track you down online? Um, I would say, I mean, I don't, I don't use Twitter. I'm not super, uh, I would say I'm not the most tech savvy, I guess, even though I'm on the computer every day. Um, the best is, I guess, check, uh, check philamerica.com. It's my website. Um, I work often with publicdelivery.org. It's a um, nonprofit arts organization out of Seoul. Uh, so I'm working with them a lot. They're doing amazing things. So I think maybe check one of those two things or Google search, I guess. Fantastic. Well, again, Phil, we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. And we wish you every luck, every success in the and the best of luck in doing the great work that you're doing. And you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now let's do some good. Okay. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded via Google Hangouts on Air and is available at youtube.com forward slash Devinthorpe. Subscribe to this podcast on Stitcher or iTunes by searching for Your Mark on the World. Every weekday, Devin hosts a CEO, celebrity, entrepreneur or other changemaker here on the Your Mark on the World show to inspire and prepare you to make your mark. Devin is a champion of social good, writing about, advocating for, and advising people who are doing good. He is a Forbes contributor who is a recognized thought leader in social entrepreneurship, impact investing, and crowdfunding. To book Devin as a speaker, visit devinthorpe.com. Learn more about Devin's work at yourmarkontheworld.com.